0: Hi, this is Kale Clark. Welcome to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app. I'm so glad that you're with me today for this journey of exploring, understanding, explaining, and defending our Catholic faith. Let's get to where we left off. We, we're at the um, the part of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, Who Art in Heaven. I want to talk about that part, Who Art in Heaven. Now, it's important that Jesus, when he gave his disciples this prayer, used the word, Who. <laughs> God the Father is not a what? He's not a force. He's not impersonal. This isn't Star Wars. May the force be with you. He is a person. And there are, in fact, of course, three divine persons in God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven. And where is it? You know, where where exactly is heaven? We have to keep reminding ourselves time and time again of the reality of heaven. and It's a real place. It's, in fact, more real Than Earth. And Peter Kraft, who's a a great friend of the program, uh, he wrote a book that he, he, uh, one time when I met him, he told me that this was his favorite book that he had ever written. It's called Heaven, the Heart's Deepest Longing. And that's just a wonderful book. If you want a a great book about heaven, you can get that book. It's published by Ignatius Press. And I want to share with you some of the great thoughts that Peter Kraft has about heaven because we don't often hear about heaven. Sometimes we hear homilies, it's, it's even rare to hear these homilies, but homilies about hell, we don't want to go there, <laughs> we hear about the place we don't want to go to and what we need to avoid, but we don't hear too many homilies, sermons, talks, books about heaven. And, and part of that's for good reason, because you know, none of us have been there yet and come back to tell the tale, but uh, St. Paul also says this in one of his letters, he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard nor has it even entered into the mind of human beings, what God has prepared for those who love him. So if it hasn't even entered into our minds, how in the world can we talk about it? But we still can know a lot of things about it because God has revealed it to us. Now, heaven is, of course, at a base level where God is. And where is God? Well, everywhere, right? Omnipresence. That's one of the characteristics of God. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. So in a sense, as as Kreef says, Heaven also must be everywhere because God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. Well, why don't we see it then? How come we can't see it? And he just gives a great illustration. He says it's it's a little bit like a baby in the womb. You now to the baby, you know, all, all it knows is, is the womb and it's a nice cozy place. And, you know, when it's time to be born, you're kind of thrust out into the world, the the bright hospital lights, whoa. But what the baby doesn't understand at that time is that the baby is already in the world even when he or she is in the womb. Why? Because the womb is in the world. Being in the womb is being in part of the world, but you just don't know what's outside the womb. And once that child is born and begins to grow up, and then they see, wow, there are tall buildings, there are other people, there are mountains, there are trucks, there are all kinds of wonderful things that were there all along. And I just didn't know it. And I suspect that, That's what it's going to be like for us when we step into eternity. When we die, we wake up in heaven, hopefully, we look back at our lives from from that vantage point. We'll feel a little bit like that baby, maybe, who's just been born. I was always here in this larger world. I just didn't see it when I was in that little dark womb. And It reminds me a lot of that prayer of St. Francis that we often sing at Mass, it's been turned into a hymn, in dying we are born to eternal life. So it's like coming out of the womb of this world into the greater reality of heaven. So in a sense, what we can say is this, heaven is not so much in this world as this world is in heaven for all who will end up there. And one of the things that Jesus said in the Gospel of John is that eternal life starts now. Heaven starts now. Hell starts now on earth, too, in a certain sense, because anybody who's not in a state of grace, anybody who is not in friendship with God, is really living this sort of hell on earth. And so that just, if they remain in that state, if they don't repent, if they don't turn to the Lord, that's just going to continue on through the curtain of death out into eternity forevermore. And the same is true for heaven. If we're in God's good graces, in a state of grace, in a friendship with him, that, too, will continue and grow stronger and stronger, hopefully and that being with him will continue on into eternity. So really, as Kreef says in his book, heaven is not an impractical question at all. In fact, it is the answer to the most practical question that we could ever ask. Quo Vadis, where are you going? You might know that famous story, Quo Vadis. It's an apocryphal legend. Uh, Not certain it has any basis in fact. Maybe it does, but uh, the story is told that Uh, St. Peter was fleeing Rome during the persecutions of Nero. Uh, He had just gone mad and set this huge fire. Most people think he set it himself, set a huge fire to the city of Rome, and he blamed it on the Christians, blamed it on the early church, and a massive persecution was unleashed against the early Catholic church. And that ultimately led to the martyrdoms of Paul and also, of course, St. Peter. Nero would cruelly... Uh, cover the believers in in tar and pitch and set them on fire and use them as human torches for his garden parties. And Peter is said to have been leaving the city, trying to get away from it all. And then he sees Jesus walking back into Rome. And he said, whoa, is that the Lord? And he, he turns and asks Jesus, Quo Vadis, where are you going? And Jesus says, I'm going back into Rome to be crucified And that's when Peter realized, whoa, okay, he has called me to follow him. I'm running away from my responsibility. So I've got to go back there as well. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. So let's continue on with this question. Where are you going? The answer to that question makes all the difference now in our lives because our destination determines each step that we take here on the way. That's kind of interesting because one of the early names for the church before it became known officially as the Catholic Church was the way. And you can read about this in the Acts of the Apostles. The early church movement was known as the way, by the way. (laughs) So it's not escapism at all to think about heaven. It's not like going to the movies. It's not getting away from it all, but it's actually realistic to talk about heaven, to think about heaven. You know, it's often said of some people, maybe you've had this said of you uh, sort of as an insult. You're so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. Well, in fact, if we're heavenly minded, we should be of the most earthly good uh, to ourselves, but also to our neighbors as well. It's realist, realism. It's it's realistic to think about heaven. It's really practical. It's really practical. Uh, Kreef says in his book that life is either one slippery slide down into an abyss of nothingness or into the everlasting arms of god himself what fool claims it would make no difference okay so what difference does it make if god is in heaven what difference does that make to us on the ground well first of all it means that god is transcendent he is the creator he is not part of the creation we need to get this straight There are a lot of pantheists out there still, even in this modern world, who think that the earth is somehow divine, you know, Holy Mother Earth or something like this. Well, God has given the earth to us as our home, no doubt. He wants us to take care of it. But we're not pagans. The Creator is not associated with His creation. You know, there's a a gospel that the church rejected. It never made it into the Bible for good reason. It was called the Gospel of Thomas. Yeah, but it's a it's a darling of, of many people, many skeptics of the faith today. And there are sayings in that gospel, allegedly, that Jesus said, look under the rock, there you will find me. There's no way he said that. Okay, so we're not going to find God in the rock. Okay, God created the rock. He made the rocks. He made the trees. He's awesome. He's powerful. As the Apostle John said in the book of Revelation, when he encounters Jesus in his vision he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. He's truly awe-inspiring, not to be confused with what he has created. And the Bible tells us that all things were created by and through Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ. He wants to reconcile all things to himself. So that's the first thing, the transcendent nature of God being in heaven. The second thing that really makes a big difference when we think about heaven is that because of the fact that God is all-powerful, all, all because of the fact that he, he is other, that, that makes us, it makes it okay for us to be humble. The sign over heaven's gate says only one know-it-all lives here, <laughs> and that's God himself. So we, we've got to remember that, we've got to remember that. The third thing we can uh, say that makes a big difference, the fact that God is in heaven. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Well, there are a lot of words that are said. There's a lot of words that are spelled on, on the, the printed page. And of course, a lot of words that are said, even even on the radio, even on relevant radio and really what this is all about we do have to to talk about god we do have to spread the good word we do have to evangelize using words you might have heard that phrase attributed to saint francis of assisi preach the gospel at all times if necessary use words well number one he never actually said that according to franciscan scholars but we will have to use words yes we 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 should preach with our lives as well our actions really uh, tell the story you no matter what you say your actions will tell the real deal about what you actually believe. I'll always believe what you do over what you say, but there is a point where we do have to explain the gospel using words. Uh, What is it that we believe? Because that can't be picked up just by watching us walk around and the way we live, as wonderful as that might be. But this idea that God is in heaven and you are not, so let your words be few, I think that really applies to the the practice of prayer. You know, Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, used to say that, Prayer is really ninety-nine percent silence. And one of her uh, friends once saw her. One of, one of the other sisters of charity once saw her praying uh, in front of the tabernacle, in front of our Lord, in His Euchar- Eucharistic presence. And uh, this nun asked Mother Teresa, what, "What are you saying? What are you saying to Him?" And she said, "Nothing." Well, "What are you talking about?" And she said, "I look at Him." And he looks at me so so this this idea of simply being in god's presence at some point uh, no words are necessary words can even get in the way not saying that you always have to do that in your prayer you can pour out your heart to god of course but uh, it's most important to hear what he has to say through sacred scripture that's how he really speaks to us ultimately and through the teaching of the church but also in that still small voice the holy spirit Uh, in the depths of our soul, and and really we can really get in touch with that uh, for in his presence. So if you can, uh, spend part of your daily prayer in front of the tabernacle, if you're able to do that, if you're able to get your local parish, if there's a chapel nearby uh, with the Blessed Sacrament there, that's a great place to do some of your prayer every day. And maybe during Lent, that's something you can really focus on, uh, taking things to the next level. All right, You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Let's go to the next line in the prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Now, what does the word Hallowed actually mean? It means holy. It means holy. And what's our response? We're in the presence of the holy. Our response can be nothing more and nothing less than adoration. Adoration is really worship. And Peter Crave says that modern people, they're, they're bored, they're depressed, they're neurotic, and sometimes even suicidal. And part of the reason is because they do not worship God. But here's the thing. You're going to worship something. You're either going to worship the creation or you're going to worship the creator. At the end of the day, that's what happens. Some people, they worship another person. They say, well, I don't really do that. But who is your God? You know, it's really who is on the throne of your life. Who is it that occupies most of your waking thoughts? Uh, one of the things that Father Rocky said the other day was that, I thought it was a great statement. He said, your interior life is what you're thinking about when you're not speaking. Okay? When you're not talking to somebody, what's going through your mind? That's your interior life. Are, are you thinking about God? What, what are your thoughts all about? What, what's, what is that interior life? It's something we need to look at. But every single person worships something or somebody. And it might be your phone, it might be your your bank account, it might be your stocks, it might be your car, it might be your spouse, it might be your girlfriend, it might be whoever, some celebrity. What is occupying most of your time, your thoughts, your attention? And so that's a really good question to ask ourselves as well. But when we worship, when we truly worship God, we forget about ourselves. And that's what the word ecstasy really means. Uh, You've heard about, in fact, I even saw this this statue, this famous Baroque statue, uh, the art form known as Baroque. And a lot of people say, a lot of art critics will say, hey, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. (laughs) They don't like Baroque. I like Baroque. I love it. I don't know. When I went to Rome, I just really reveled in all the Baroque art because of the realism of it. And one of the most famous Baroque art pieces of all time, is a statue by bernini called the ecstasy of saint Teresa, and it's uh regarding saint Teresa of avila and uh, it's in a church in rome and uh, the name of that particular church i can't recall at the moment but my wife and i when we had our honeymoon we went to rome and we spent a lot of time around the eternal city and it was almost overwhelming how many historical uh, sites there are around every corner a famous piece of art and we happened to wander into that particular church and we did not know that this was the home of that that famous statue the ecstasy of saint teresa and to see it live to see it in you know in its glory it was something else it really was unexpected and it was really powerful and the statue depicts an angel kind of piercing the heart of saint teresa of avila with the love of god and she's just kind of in the spiritual ecstatic state well, what does that really mean it means you're stepping out of yourself you're standing outside of yourself. You're not aware. It's almost like an out-of-body experience in a certain sense. And that's what true worship really is at the end of the day. It's self-forgetfulness. And that leads to real joy. And, and that, that joy that God wants to give us is far more than mere happiness on the human level. Or, or even pleasure because happiness depends on what's happening. As I like to say, you know, if you're, if you're healthy, things are going well, uh, you've got a job, you can pay the bills, you get to have a beer on a Saturday night. I don't know, whatever it is that uh, things are, things are okay. Things are okay at a human level. Now that is very fragile. That, that can change. That's a little shaky. We, we do know that uh, health is not a guarantee in life. Uh, employment is not a guarantee in life. Uh, look at world events, um, What's happening in Ukraine? One moment, everything is fine. People are in the city square. They're out with their families. The next minute, they're fleeing for their lives. So things are very, very unstable. And so we need something that's a lot more solid to hang our hat on. And that is true spiritual joy. I'm going talk a little bit about, more about that in just a moment. But think about, I mentioned some distressing events that are going on. When you read the book of Job, we see this this question, this existential question. Watch, well, Job had a lot of questions for God. You know how, how could you possibly allow this? He'd lost his family, he'd lost his livelihood. He lost everything, even his health. And Job wanted an audience with God, and he got that audience. He got it. And here's what happened: when he was standing before Almighty God, all of his agonizing questions, he, he didn't like sort of pull out his laundry list. What about this? What about that? He didn't say anything. He got something far better than answers to his questions. You know, as Creep says, you know, he got the answerer. <laughs> Not just answers, but he got God himself who knows all things. And so this is really what it means to adore God. We we better get used to doing that. Because that's what heaven is all about. That's what heaven is all about. It's adoring and worshipping God for all eternity. It's like the four living creatures around the throne of God, mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, the book of Revelation, all they do is cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They do this day and night. And people think, oh, you Catholics and your repetitive prayers, your, your Hail Marys, after, one after another. Well, guess what? God likes repetitive prayer. Holy, holy, holy. They never stop saying it. And not only that, we, we kind of like it too, if, if you think about it. Uh, if you're married, you never get tired of your spouse saying the same three words to you. I love you. It never gets old. It never gets old. And the same is true with, with God. So there, there's that. There's adoration. But there's also joy. There's also that joy. And very often it's said about the saints. You know, who are the saints, really? The saints are people for whom heaven doesn't take much getting used to. All right, there's not much of an adjustment period. Like I said, heaven starts now on earth, and so does hell. And, and when we get to eternity, I, I don't think there's going to be too many shocks uh, to our, to well, re- really? You know, I, I think we kind of know. You know, we should know at least unless you're completely delusional and our conscience is completely buried, you know, where, where we're at with God. we should be keeping short accounts with God, going to frequent confession if possible. And so, it's, the saints are people for whom heaven doesn't take much getting used to. I like that. I like that. Not much of an adjustment period. And by the way, we are all called to be saints. St. Saint Paul says this in all of his, almost all of his letters. Uh, to, to those in Rome, called to be saints. To those in Corinth, called to be saints. And you and I are called to be saints as well. That's what our baptism calls us to. Really two things. What, what, what are Two things that we're called to in the Catholic life through our baptism. Holiness. In what's called apostolate, or sharing your faith. Holiness and evangelism. It's being close to Jesus, being with Jesus on earth, being in his presence, and also to be able to share that with other people. Now, one thing it says in the gospel, when he calls the apostles, it, it, the writer says that they might be with him. That, that's, that's really criteria number one, to be with the Lord. And if we're in his presence, if we're spending time with him in prayer, adoring him in prayer, guess what? We can share that presence with others. Because the second thing Jesus does with his, with his apostles is he sends them out. That's what the word apostle means, one who is sent. So we, we share in that through through our baptism. We want to share in this, this call to holiness and allow other people to share in it too. To become a saint and to help other people become a saint. It's pretty simple, but when you boil it down, it makes a lot of sense. We're all called to be saints. You're listening to the Faith Explained and Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. So if it's true that saints are people for whom heaven doesn't take much getting used to, the opposite is true for those who will be separated from God for all eternity in hell. They they actually wouldn't like it much in heaven. Why? Because the focus is on God. They'd almost rather be in hell because there's nothing but utter selfishness in hell. This idea that there's an old Billy Joel song, Only the Good Die Young, when he says, I'd rather... Laugh with the sinners then cry with the saints, only the good die young. Well, that's not true. The, <laughs> you're, you're, the, hell is not a big party, okay? It's not like a big party at your favorite pub. In fact, there's nothing but uh, those who are all alone, completely alone, completely within themselves because their lives are turned in upon themselves. And a lot of the saints who have had visions of eternity, visions of heaven, tours of hell like St. Faustina Kowalska, the Apostle of Divine Mercy, they've noted these things. They've noted these things. It's all about being consumed with self, being selfish, the opposite of love. Love is always self-giving. It's always giving of yourself. And so we've got to get excited about God. We've got to put the focus on Him. And, and, you know, very often we get excited about things that are going on in the world, sports and entertainment, whether it's the Toronto Maple Leafs or... (laughs) Uh, a rock star or some sort of a celebrity hey, we we know their names but we we don't get that excited sometimes about Jesus about the saints or we don't we don't tell people about our local church as much as we do our favorite restaurant obviously the, the meal that we're enjoying at every mass is that true foretaste of the heavenly banquet in the eucharist so we can't be shy About loving it, about telling other people about it, Christ and His church. And I'm preaching to myself here as much as anyone else when I say, we've got to remember the words of Jesus when He said, Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of that person will the Son of Man also be ashamed when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. That's in Mark chapter 8, verse 38. You see, God does not command us to worship him for his sake. He he doesn't really need our praise. It's for our sake so that we can get in touch with reality. That's what it's all about, folks. Reality. The ultimate reality, God himself who made all things. It's, It's like our Sunday obligation, you know, and very often when people hear those words, oh, the Sunday obligation to go to mass, you know, do I have to? Am I obliged? Hey, you don't have to. You get to. You get to go. This is heaven on earth. The Mass is really the great gift that God gives to us. You know, in the Protestant world, they often talk about Sunday services. Well, the difference between a service and a Mass is a service is something that people do for God. But the Mass is something that God does for us. It's what he gives to us. It's what he does for his people. He gives us himself. Body, blood, soul and divinity that's why it's heaven on earth you when you receive the eucharist you can't get any closer to god without dying <laughs> it, it is heaven on earth and so we don't tell that to little kids you know when they're receiving their first communion it's a dress rehearsal for death now but but that's really what's going on at a base level and so when we accept that when we get in touch with the reality of god that's when we'll share In that self-forgetful, self-giving love of the Trinity itself. Because God is love. It's that eternal exchange of love within the Trinity, within the Godhead. The Father pours out his life for the Son, holding nothing back. The Son does that in return to the Father. And when we see Jesus on the cross, we see him doing in time what he was doing for all eternity as God. The Word, the divine Word, pouring out his life For God, And then the Holy Spirit is that bond of love between the Father and the Son, so strong that it is personal. It is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And so all of this really, getting back to the subject of joy, that's really the foundation of it here. And so even if you look at that word, you break it down, and and many preachers have done this throughout the ages. J-O-Y, what does that spell? Joy. J, Jesus first. Okay, put God first. Oh, others second. And then why? Yourself last. But you still have to love yourself, right? And that's the great commandment, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You do have to love yourself because God loves you. He delights in you. And you need to take care of yourself. It's like being on an airplane when the the oxygen masks drop down. You've got to put yours on first. Before you he can help someone else. So you've got to make sure that you're taking care of your spiritual life. You're in touch with Christ. And you can pass on uh, that, that air. You know, that that wonderful breath of God to others. So Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. That spells joy. That is a great formula for life. Two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then there's the great commission. Right, there's the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Go into all the world. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Holiness and apostolate. It's what we're called to do. That's all the time we have for today. But if you have a question about the Catholic faith, I'll try to answer it on the air. You can send it to me via email. The address is faith at relevantradio.com. F-A-I-T-H at relevantradio.com, or you can try to get your question to me on the X app. My handle is at Kale Clark. I'll be with you later today at 5 p.m. Central for the Kale Clark Show live on Relevant Radio, and I'll see you in the next episode of The Faith Explained. God bless.